This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 604, hope you guys had a great Labor Day weekend. Tons of storylines. We tackled most of them yesterday, but we'll do it again for those of you that are back in the saddle. It's the opening kickoff, boys and girls, right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We're here for the next three hours, and we want to hear from you, 694-1055, and you can always get us in the app at WNSP.com. So as I was watching the celebration after Duke's win over Clemson last night, and watching the players getting mobbed and Riley Leonard getting hugged and shaking hands. I was curious, does he have to go to class early this morning or did they grant him a pass, free pass? Because I'm assuming classes have begun at Duke. But I haven't seen stuff like that since, well, Krzyzewski was coaching the Duke basketball team. It was pretty exciting. The uh, you're, you're more into the basketball. When they showed the highlight of Riley Leonard dunking, was that in one of the games you were at? Uh, I've seen him dunk a few times, yes. And they do it every time it's on now. Every every time he's on television, like it's some breaking story. Uh, for those of you that have followed his career, you know the dude could hoop. Uh, and he was as good, if not better, hooper than he was a, uh, a football player. But uh, it's a fantastic story. Uh, I stayed with that game all night last night. I watched every single play of it. Um it got long, I ain't gonna lie. It got long. But what a great win for Duke and the um, the critics. <laughs> oh, man. They are after Dabo. Uh, Clemsoning is back. And um, Clemson had more yardage. They had more first downs. But Duke had more points, 28-7. to seven. Riley Leonard. And, and he's had better games passing. Uh, he's even had better games rushing. But there's something about him. He's got that it factor, Mark. He, he seems to just come up with the big play. And yesterday was the 44-yard run to put them ahead. And then Clemson, and you know this as well as anybody watched the game, three straight drives deep into Duke territory, right to the one-yard line, and no points. No points, two fumbles, a block field goal. They kept shooting themselves in the foot. They had three turnovers in the second half. You know, Dabo actually said afterwards, he said, you know, this is just one of the most incredible games I've been involved in. We didn't play that bad as far as, well, first of all, they were 58-0 whenever they rushed for over 200 yards and passed for over 200 yards, but they couldn't get the job done when it counted the most, and that's what Riley Leonard and Duke were able to do is make big plays when it counted the most. Yeah, I felt like Duke left some points, a lot of points on the board in the first half. And you felt like things were getting away from him in the second. There was a point where Clemson really started to dominate the line of scrimmage, was running the ball really well. But then everything that kind of plagued Duke started plaguing Clemson. Clemson or, or Duke got some very fortunate breaks, put some hats on some balls there, um, and, and made plays when they had to. Uh, a little bit of a controversial call there on a 4th and 10 quarterback scramble where they called targeting but gave Duke the ball anyway. We'll talk to Dean Wade about that later this afternoon or this uh, this morning. But all in all, a huge win for the Duke program. Uh, it was one of the things that uh, – it was one of Riley Leonard's goals that he talked about at ACC Media Days. He wanted to beat Clemson. He wanted to win a conference championship. 
he's he's well on his way. That was a dominating performance there at the end. The score, it was probably a little bit closer than the score indicated, but when they tacked on that last one, uh, he made some really smart decisions. Uh, excited for Riley Leonard, uh, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about it throughout the course of the morning. So some of the questions that arise out of that game, is Clemson still a factor when you consider the Final Four? Some people had them in the Final Four. To me, and I thought about it, you could easily dismiss them, but if they won out, if they win the rest of their games and win the ACC title, they still have an opportunity. It happened once before. I think it was 2016, so there's still hope for them. And there's they, like a, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, no. but I think ESPN posted at, during the celebration there was like a 4% chance of them making the college football playoff. I think that's what it said. There was some, It was late, and but uh, as they – because what was great about that game was – it was over well before it was over. So the fans literally hopped over the uh, in onto the field. They were on the like Luganville was surrounded. Like I actually feared for this dude's safety because he was talking about how they were going to rush the field when this was over. And literally, security wasn't even trying to keep him in the stands. They were trying to keep him off the field. They're like, back up, get get over, make sure you're on the right side of that white line. It's like nothing I had seen in, uh, before. But to your point, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yes, 4% chance of making the college football playoff. And the other thing, too, it, does Riley Leonard actually get into the mix for the Heisman? You know, there were kind of like innuendos, maybe, maybe not. Well, he certainly didn't hurt his chances last night because you had the national TV audience, and he performed well. He, he didn't turn the ball over. I think they lost two fumbles in the game, but he did not throw an interception. Like I said, passing-wise, it wasn't one of his better games, but he did enough to get the win and he comes up, like I said, he's got that it factor, that factor that when you need him the most, he's there for you. Now, they do have a lot of other really important home games. I think they host Notre Dame this yeah. year and Florida State. Am I correct on that? So there's opportunities there. Now, he didn't, you know, he didn't the five touchdowns that a lot of these guys did and so forth. But um, if Duke somehow can continue to win and – they won last year. I mean, they had a really good record last year for Duke. They continue to win and maybe stay undefeated for a while. Maybe his name will pop in there. Yeah, I think it's a little premature for Hosman based on some of the other performances in week one. He didn't throw any picks, but he didn't throw any touchdowns either. So I, I would pump the brakes on the Hosman talk, even though he was getting some love in the preseason. He, but to your point, he will have opportunities to get in that race. Uh, as much as I'd love for him to be in that race after week one, a little premature, but... Strong statement by Duke, strong statement by Leonard. And I think the more telling uh, stats or, or, or things that came out of that game was they were talking about uh, his draft status on Kuiper's big board, considered the third best quarterback in that class and 20th best prospect in the in, in the country. Talking about coming, if he came out if, this yeah, year. Yeah. So who do you have him behind, Williams and Drake May, or were there somebody else in there? Uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying to remember if he said in his class or this year. All right. It might have been his class. I was class. thinking about that, too. Would Riley Leonard leave after this is, you know, third year? I, and I and obviously it's some, a question that will come up every now and then. And until we get him back on with us, you know, I'm, I mean, obviously we're going to store that question away. But I was curious about that, too. So I was curious about, you know, what's, what's going to happen with Clemson now. They can't afford another loss for sure. And, and obviously their chances of getting into the college football playoff – uh, for the foursome are, are kind of slim, and but it's been done before. They've done it before, so I don't want to say outright that you know it can't be done. And as far as you know, Riley goes, 
who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll. Uh, I, he seems like the. I, I, again, you know, we've had him in studio. We've talked to him a lot. I, I'm not speaking for him, but he seems like the guy that would want to spend his four years at Duke, and then move on after that. I don't know. But you never know when it comes what it comes down to. Meanwhile, Dabo looked absolutely miserable. He, that poor he guy. He was disheveled last night. Yeah, that guy. Taking off his hat, yeah. head on his ha- hands and his head. It was. Yeah. It was a bad, bad luck for Dabo last night. After that long fumble return, you would have thought someone just stabbed that dude in the heart. Uh, he was he was absolutely baffled. And I was too, by the way, his team played. I mean, give Duke credit. They made the plays when they had to. But talk about there's never a good time to turn the ball over. But, man, they were atrocious in the red zone. Um, I didn't think quarterback play was very impressive at all for mm-hmm. Clemson. They, Like I said, they were finally able to get some momentum. And I thought, like, they were dominating a lot of scrimmage in the second half and were running with a lot of uh, success. But then they got down so so much they didn't have they couldn't afford to run the ball. Um, and Duke, the comment was made during the game. Duke looked as athletic and as quick and as fast as Clemson. That's not something you hear very often in college football. Uh, they 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 got some guys. They got some dudes. Yeah, Elko's done a really good job. He replaced David Cudcliffe, and David's supposed to be on the show today. We have him booked at eight thirty. Uh, he was uh, Riley Leonard's first college coach at Duke, but Elko has taken over. And if you saw when they posted his record, it's it's really really good when you consider it is Duke, and which is not a football school or hasn't been ba- uh, considered a football school in quite some time. The the win over a top 10 team, which will pop up in a uh, Chick-fil-A question in this hour, their first win over a top 10 team since 1989. Just think about that. And, and you know, over the years, you know, Duke football has been an afterthought, obviously, with basketball having so much success. But um, for that one moment last night, and, and again, picking up momentum from last year because they had a really good record last year and had a good bowl win that the momentum carries into this year. So... I, he's done a great job. I don't. I don't care for the fact that he practices in the morning, which keeps Riley out of the morning show. But got to give Elko credit. He's done a hell of a job coaching. All right, so you guys can jump in on that. We got a great show lined up for you. Uh, Lee mentioned the Chick Fil A here in hour number one. We're going to talk to Daphne, Coach Kenny King, in our high school segment, of course. Dave Green will be along as he is on most Tuesdays. Travis Ryer on Alabama. We got some. Uh, Potential issues uh, with uh, the defensive backs. There's some injuries there at Alabama as Texas comes calling. Uh, Jerry Palm's going to join us. He's back with us now that college football is in full swing. Uh, Dean Waite, wait for the call. Here we go. We'll ask him about a couple things. If there's a if there was a call at some point in a college game this weekend that you'd like to discuss, let us know. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. And you mentioned David Cutcliffe. We'll also do another round of naming it where we will qualify uh, our latest caller for a chance for Alec Naiman's catering party of 20 or 18, me and Lee. So we are rolling here on a, I was almost said a Monday, Lee, but we were here yesterday. You may not have been here, but of course we'll talk once again about the Alabama win, the Auburn win, the quarterback experiments seem to work at both locations. If you missed all that, we'll recap for you. Here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. We are off and running on a busy Tuesday edition. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station WNSP. This is Richie Riley, the head men's basketball coach of South Alabama. There's nothing better than listening to WNSP Sports Radio, 105.5 FM. 
Incredible run, much needed for Duke at that point. Clearly the highlight of the game for, for Duke fans and, and fans of Riley Leonard. You know what I love about college football? Because there were two plays in that game uh, where quarterbacks outran defensive backs. That was one of them. The other one was when uh, Kentucky, Kentucky, Duke had the scoop uh, and uh, on the on the fumble and was looked like they were going to score. And to Clemson's credit and the quarterback's credit, he tracked him down. But clearly, if you're just turning on that football game, and you have no idea what day it is. You're never going to confuse college football for the NFL when you see more times than not a quarterback run down a quarterback. That's corner. right. That was one of his better plays of the game, the quarterback. And, you know, there was so much said about uh, how Klobiak, uh, is that his name? Who, the, the guy who took Cade over? Cade Klubnik. Klubnik took over for Ugalele. Uagalele. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, good that we have you here. Um, and he had the, uh, the guy who transferred had the five, what, five touchdowns the other day against, was it San Jose State they beat? I lost track. There's so many games that went on over the weekend. And it just never worked out for him at Clemson. And, and this was a guy that was brought in, and he was going to be the next Trevor Lawrence. And for whatever reasons, offensively, it just never worked out. So uh, Klubniak uh, takes over. He started, I think, one game. Wasn't it just the bowl game last year, Michael, Correct. that he started? Yes. And they, they were talking about him as being the next great Clemson quarterback, which he still may be. I mean, it, you know, it's only a second start. He threw for over 200 yards. He threw one pick. and But again, you know, the fumbles, the block kicks, oof, everything that could go wrong went wrong for Clemson. That Clemson offense is a mess, man. Uh, I think Dabo, because remember they hired Garrett Riley from TCU this offseason. They finally made the change at offensive coordinator. It seems like Dabo still has his uh, chef spoon in that disgusting gumbo that is the Clemson offense that – has been the disgusting Clemson offense since they haven't had a generational quarterback. And uh, I don't know. That ship's going down fast in Clemson well, with Dabo. They, they, I mean, it wasn't like they were shut down. I mean, up till when they got Fair to enough. the red zone, they had over 400 yards, and they had never lost a game, well, in 58 straight, where they ever went over 200 yards rushing, two yard, 200 yards passing. So it wasn't like they were totally you know, stifled by the Duke defense, but – as you point out, or as we pointed out, when you get into the red zone and you can't do anything about it. You're right. They did move the ball, in all fairness. You know, they got down to the one a few times. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't know. The only points they scored were off the muff punt. And uh, it, it's just Huge bad. mistake, by the way, from yes. Duke. Like, I, you I, thought, I thought that was one, over. You thought that, that was going to come back and haunt them. Uh, and that's, that's, that's why it's a little unfair to Duke to be blaming Clemson's loss on all of their mistakes. Granted, they were huge and I, I'm I'm not I'm not saying they shouldn't be blamed for it. But Duke overcame a bunch of their yeah. their their own mistakes. An ugly too. game. It was. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a pretty game by any means, other than Leonard's, you know, uh run. Because uh who was it? I don't remember his, um I'll have to look up his name. It was number twelve for Duke. Um he's the one that tried to scoop the initial fumble you remember uh, when Clemson fumbled the first time? He tried to scoop, and he would have scored had he, he caught it, but he didn't pick it up. He yeah. he missed it. Duke wound up getting it anyway. And then Clemson, he he dropped a potential interception, too. If there was one kid on Duke's team that was that was really, really had a tough game, it was him. Because, look, if they wouldn't have gotten that first fumble where he tried to pick it up, 
I might have taken a scholarship away right now because all, all, all he had to do was fall on it, and, and they would have had the ball. Instead, he tried to scoop it, and he just completely dropped it. Lee, you asked earlier if uh, Clemson is still in the playoff race. For for my money, the better question is at this point. I'm dismissing Clemson from the playoff race. They're not going to win 11 straight games and an ACC championship, which is what they would have to do make, to make the college football playoff. Uh, at this point, I think the better question is, is Dabo – on the hot seat a little bit if things get off the rails further this season. I mean, if this offense looks that way all season, again, it's like it's really, really hard to fire a coach who's won multiple national championships in the last Yeah, decade. I certainly agree with that. And I don't – I would assume, I don't know, I'd have to check with my sources there, that it's still a very popular coach. Maybe, maybe not. But obviously, on a Monday night on Labor Day, you're the only game in town, and so it all comes uh, crashing down. But I was just trying to be – problematic and, and realistic that you know in looking down the road to a college football playoff they're not totally out of it uh that's what my sure. point was i mean they still have a chance a slim chance but you know it's still <laughs> out there and who knows maybe it's florida state that takes over the acc and runs the course after what we saw the other day and then in a head-to-head -head meeting with Florida, with Clemson, you know, comes out the winner. So, you know, obviously, I don't, I never, I never thought Clemson was going to get there anyway. Sure. I was more into the two Big Ten teams and the two SEC schools, like most people were. But there were a few there that had Clemson uh, look lurking. And you know, when we get Jerry Palm back from CBS Sports, who's more gifted in that kind of stuff, we can ask him what he thinks the chances are of Clemson making it. Although I would certainly agree that it doesn't look very good at this point. Well, Clemson gets to get embarrassed at home by Florida State about two or three weeks from now, September 23rd. I'm looking at that Flor that Notre Dame at Duke game. That's somewhere down the, what, in October, I think, maybe? Yes, I believe so. Well, to, to your point, Bronner, I mean, Duke, as much as, as excited as we are for Riley and, the, and, the, and them getting the win, they're going to have to play better. Oh, yeah. They're going to have to play so much better oh, to beat yeah. Florida State. But, you know, this is something we kind of hinted at yesterday. You know, everybody wants to see these big, you know, marquee matchups in week one. This is yet another example where if you had to do it over again, if you're Brian Kelly, if you're Billy Napier, if you're Dabo Sweeney, you just soon bring in a cupcake and work out all the kinks. In, in week one so that you can work through all that and be prepared for these games as a coach i get it i'm all for scheduling cupcakes early you know who he opens up uh kelly with next year southern cal hmm. my clemson buddy texted me last night why couldn't we have just played Furman? yeah there's something to be said about for that you're not going to get a Furman clemson game on labor day night though no, well, yeah, it probably I, made it worse that it was the only you're game not on going TV. to get. Believe me, the, the TV guys are not going to put a game like that hey, on Monday night. I'd rather not be on TV than lose one on national TV the way they did Ooh. last night. All right, we come back, we switch gears, talk a little high school football. Stay with us, Kenny King, Daphne, next, right here on the sports station, WNSP. Chick fil A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, Lee, here we go. A little fried deliciousness for the fine people uh, coming off their Labor Day weekend. What do we got? 
All right, Dukes beating Clemson. It's first top 10 team win since 1989. Who was the coach of Duke in 1989? All right, if you know the answer, call uh, Mr. Bronner at 694-1055. And uh, the fried deliciousness is yours. Very well-known coach who went on to let's say, greater heights. You mentioned about, uh, you know, Clemson and, you know, if you were the coach, you got to remember this too, with teams in the ACC crying about the lack of money they get compared to the SEC and the Big Ten. And, you know, it's big business in college football. They're not going to pass up a Monday night Labor Day game for sure. Uh, they're the ones that are only making, what, 30 mil a year compared to the 60, 65 mil that SEC schools and Big Ten schools get. All right, uh, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. Did we get a winner already? Still working? Yeah, we got a winner already? Oh, yeah, the fir first caller got it. Yeah. Okay. Steve Spurrier. It was Elvis. Nice job, Elvis. Congratulations, sir. You know, you had asked me when I went to uh, the Grand. I think you did. You brought up about, like, uh, like the, uh, t television. And, you know, uh, there's a list of, like, 70 things to do with the, the Grand Hotel. And certainly not one of them is to watch TV. But I got up one morning to go ready to go to um, work out. And I was going through the TV, uh, the dials and everything to put a show on for my wife. She likes the Today Show. And the movie Elvis was on, the one with uh, Austin Butler. Yeah. So I stuck around for two hours to watch it. So you didn't go work out on your no. uh, I'm good, because I was getting ready to reprimand you for going to work out on your vacation. No. It's a vacation. I, I sat watched the movie and good enjoyed it. Good for you. Well, it was it was it wasn't on the list of seventy things to do there, but I enjoyed it. Um all right, so uh coming up this week. Only one Dr. Christopher Monix High School game day. We're we're go we're going back to the traditional one. Where are we headed this week, sir? Viger. You're gonna help me out and tell everybody uh, what our high school game day record is as of uh, today. We're undefeated. We are undefeated, ladies and gentlemen. We are four and zero. Oh. How about them apples? Yeah. So look for you people that doubt us, we put in the work. They're off to a great start. Viger is. Uh, they got the new stadium. They just had their uh, debut at the new stadium last week. Things worked out very well. Uh, Marcus Cook, who's been a, you know, this will give us an opportunity, as most of you out there know about the Viger tradition and, and and the championships and and the glory that they've had over the many many years. We have never been there before, so I'm counting on you, Mark, to help me find my way out there. Yeah, I've never been to Viger. We High will uh, we will print out the map quest directions for you, sir. I really appreciate that. <laughs> really hoping to have Kenny King on. Kenny uh, received an, a, a terrific award on Saturday, the Paul Bear Bryant. Uh, achievement award athletic achievement award <laughs> it is and i talked to him late last night and you know i said how proud we were for him to be honored at uh bryant denny stadium on saturday so we were hoping to get him on today to congratulate him for getting this this is a this is quite an award uh, up at alabama uh, to be accorded that even michael bronner's never won that award well i'm getting there yeah he's he's uh he's working hard every day and uh we all have goals, and uh, Mr. Bronner, I think, is motivating himself. Uh, by the way, that should—that's that, a great. I've been meaning to ask Michael Bronner about this on the air. I'm, I'm oh curious if anybody else uh, takes part in dry peanut butter oh, and powdered peanut butter. Still on this? Yes. Have you ever heard of this, Lee? No. 
Like literally, he he add, you just add water to it. Or uh, well, I I just have a spoon. I mean, the directions say add water and mix. Is that kind of what yeah, it is? Yeah, I mean, just a little dry scoop of it and a sip of water. Yeah. So he goes from getting a a, a this stuff of this powder that is apparently peanut butter. I'll send you, a picture. And of you it add water and you make your peanut butter and. Bronner, being the efficient one that he is, has decided, you know what? I'm just going to take a scoop of this powder, put it in my mouth, and chase it with a sip of water. And voila, breakfast is served. Is that accurate? It's not general. I, it's not really an everyday thing. Like yesterday. Just when you need a little pick-me-up. Yesterday, I was I was going to play golf around like 5.30. And so I was hungry, but not like dinner hungry, but needed like a tide me over. Sure. So like I had a couple scoops of Powder, powder peanut butter. Yeah, just pass the powder. And then, you know, stave off. It's really more of a hunger staver offer than than a meal. All right. Well, I'm just curious if any of you out, any of you out there partake in the peanut butter powder. Yeah. Just saying there's an NIL deal for you in the future there with peanut butter powder. And it's easier to not eat when you're not up at five, but we're still working on it. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a, certainly it's a lifestyle change. So where'd sure. you play golf at 530? Azalea City. How'd, how'd you do? Mm, we're still working on it. It's kind of like that athletic uh, athletic award in Tuscaloosa. Still working on it? I, more confident that I'll win that than ever, you know, go yeah. pro in golf. Me too. I'm confident. I'm more confident in you for that too. All right, so what's the deal with the injuries at Alabama, ladies and gentlemen? What do we got here? We got some defensive backs that are uh, – Yeah, and it's, it's I get the impression they'll be back, Mark. I mean – Nick says these are not long-term deals that they're that he expect. When you say day to day, you would expect that uh, the two uh, more and uh, I guess it's uh, Keys. Yeah, Key. uh, who's yep. a transfer from UAB, by the way. Had a pick on Saturday night. So hopefully they'll be back. They did lose a special teams player, uh, Henderson, who will miss the game on Saturday. But Coach Saban during his press conference yesterday. He wasn't emphatic about them coming back, but when you go day to day, that generally means that you know they will be back. Now, in the case of uh, the injury to uh, Braylon McReynolds for South Alabama, the running back Kane Womack yesterday during his press conference said very questionable. Yeah, that's so that a doesn't bit more sound serious. good. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound good that he'll be back for Southeastern Louisiana. He also commented on a few other injuries, and you know we're into that now. Who's going to play? Who can't? And so forth. So the Jags have their home opener this coming Saturday at four. Alabama has a six o'clock game uh, this coming Saturday, where they're the touchdown favorite over texas and then at 9 30 i think it is auburn takes the field against california i didn't hear much yeah, about hugh freeze night. yes I, I didn't hear much about hugh freeze talking about injuries in the game that they had uh in their opener against umass so who had the worst week Dabo, brian kelly or billy napier Dabo. you think Dabo? yeah because Brian Kelly's in year two, has a lot of expectations, but he's got time. And one, it was a non-conference loss as well. So in terms of everything being still in front of him, I think damage-wise, yeah. Brian Kelly stands it off. Uh, Billy Napier, I think we've known Florida's going to be bad this year, and they have no expectations. Dabo, I mean, it, it, it's just the same old tired act with that Clemson offense and that 
that string is starting to run short. All right, yesterday you dumped on Kelly, so now you're on Dabo. Well, I said well, what's happened in 24 hours. I did say you, pending you, what happened you tonight. You seem to, you know, the flavor of the hour, but— I did say pending. You can make a case for either or, or either one of the three, Mark. Any of the three you can make a case. I would almost lean to Kelly for his statement that they were going to beat Florida yeah. State. That, Even though, it, for whatever reasons, it did not get much play, and we talked about this yesterday with Glenn Gilbo, really wasn't a, a big issue off this show to come out and say, we're going to beat the heck out of Florida State. Watch your mouth, mister. I did. And so that came to backfire. You didn't hear Dabo say, we're going to beat the heck out of Duke or anything yeah. like that. But, and I, I'm not sure how much, let's see. And and to me, and, and we, we don't even talk about it because we really don't follow them, but really the worst loss was the Baylor loss. But putting that aside, I would have to say LSU. I, I really do. And I, I just the, – the way they played and the and the fact of how they drove the ball down there and, and, you know, Florida State just whipped them in the second half. I mean, they just literally – 31 unanswered points. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Also, I factor in that I think Florida State is really good. Yeah, but Not what, and then the fact, what did, what were they doing with Harold Perkins? Why yeah. wasn't he a factor at all? He's arguably one of the best defensive players in the SEC, right? In the app, Florida's the so country, pitiful, yeah. they would have to get better to be pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just it. It's so so I think, I think Napier doesn't have the currency that Kelly. And Dabo have now. Granted, Dabo's running through that currency pretty damn quick. But I'm, I'm just, out, man. Yeah, I'm out. I just uh, I you wonder. You got Clemson message boards saying it's it's time. Yeah. I wonder if every time Billy Napier, is, if he watches him, I don't know if he does, and sees Dan Mullen, who's getting a lot of playing t uh, air time. I mean, he's on everything now. If he says, "Guy, this guy left me in really bad shape." Yeah, uh, but then again, Dabo's got that whole Clemsoning. Clemsoning was trending last night. I mean, there's no other program in the country where you take their name and turn it into a a, a verb. You know, it's crazy. They're as of this off season with still a legitimate sector of Alabama fans who want Dabo Sweeney as the next Alabama coach. I think that is going to continue to dwindle. Oh yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, and, uh, and and if they are, they're certainly not going to admit it today or this week. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, they're 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 in the shadows now. But I mean, man, never da the never Dabo movement has never been stronger. I'm yeah. a proud proud leader of that movement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's do this. Uh, continue with your comments. Give us the best and the worst of the weekend. Uh, you can hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Uh, we come back. We're going to visit with David Green for a few minutes. We'll get back to this conversation. Uh, Travis Ryer will talk some Alabama at 7 o'clock. Jerry Palm on college football as a whole. Dean Waitville joins at 8 o'clock. There was a play. If you're Dabo, you have some serious questions about in that, uh, in that loss to Duke last night that came at a very inopportune time. Uh, and then, of course, uh, David Cutcliffe will join us at 8.30. Uh, the former Duke coach. Who knows a little something about Riley Leonard? He's going to join us. Really looking forward to that one. So stay with us. We're going to wrap up hour number one next right here on a busy Tuesday edition. Hope you and yours had a great Labor Day weekend. We're back at it right here on the Sports Station. Hey, this is former Mobile TV sportscaster Eric Clemens. And when I'm in town, I listen to 105.5 FM Sports Radio, WNSP.
All right, 648, wrapping up our number one here on a busy Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us since the opening kickoff. The theme from L.A. Law, Lower Alabama Law, and we usher in David Green from the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. David, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Uh, doing really well and really enjoyed that Duke game last night with Riley Leonard. Yeah, did you ever see him play in high school? I did. Sure did. And also, we actually, uh, I think he got the Green and Phillips uh, Player of the Week award a time or two. Yeah, I bet. Uh, <laughs> I remember I, I did, he was a sophomore quarterback. I was out there, and I was actually out in the stands broadcasting. We couldn't, they didn't put us in the press box at Fairhope Municipal Stadium, and I got to meet his family and so forth, and boy, his career has really taken off. David, uh, as you know, if you watch television at any time, there are a lot of lawyers who advertise, in fact, and, and this was not one of yours, but I, I remember one time my wife and I were watching, I think they had two or three consecutive commercials with lawyers, which leads one to think, how do you know who to get? How do you know, who do you know, or how do you know, or what do you do as far as picking out a local attorney with so many advertisements going on these days? Well, I think it's important to, uh, number one, to to uh, make sure that you hire a local law firm. I think that's important. And you need to ask questions, um, you know, who's going to take my case all the way and who's going to uh, work work through my case quickly. But there are a lot of really good law firms and mobile local firms. But one of the things I wanted to mention today also is you see a lot of insurance companies that advertise as well. And so um, one of the things that I always think about is I see an ad that's a real – snazzy expensive ad that they put together and you know and like i said there, there's some really good insurance companies out there but there's some bad ones and so i think people need to really understand uh who they need to buy from it needs to be based on what the performance is of the insurance company you know you you have a lot of a lot of companies out there that will do the right thing but then you've got some out there that drag out cases and do not resolve cases you know if i run into someone and make a mistake this morning on the way to work i want an insurance company that's going to take care of me that's going to make that case, you know, get that case resolved, uh, pay the person that I that I injured, and and move on, and not drag me through the process of litigation of having to give my deposition and go to trial and sit there worried about what the outcome is going to be. So I think um, it's important to, if you're trying to decide who you're going to hire for your insurance company, I think that you ought to you ought to really talk to a local law firm and talk to uh, some of the guys. Like the people at Green and Phillips, there are a lot of other great ones. Sit down and say, all right, look, I'm looking at buying insurance or changing insurance, and I'm, I'm worried about my budget. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. But a lot of times, even if you're getting this super cheap insurance, you're, not get, you're really not getting much. You're getting yourself into a jam if you have an accident that you're going to be defending yourself or sitting down there with a lawyer that they provide. Now, these, these companies will provide a lawyer, but, my goodness, it'll take years you really need to make sure you get the right insurance company just as the same. You need to make sure you get the right lawyer. I don't know if, I, if I'm going out of bounds with you on this, Dave. And I, and I know you were where you're coming from on this because I've had my, let's say, uh, rants about some of these car insurance advertisements. Do you think it's more effective, and Mark, you may want to weigh in this too, but more effective when you just have a spokesman? Like, let's say you have an actor uh, speaking about, a, a car insurance or something like that, or some of these other crazy ones, the one with chaos and mayhem or the animals that run around. Do, or, do you find any of these any more effective than any others? 
You know, I don't know, um, but you know, when you when you really simmer it all down and you, and you look at it, what what you're interested in, people are interested in price, and they're interested in service, and they're interested in making sure someone's going to take care of them. And so sometimes the silly ads, you know, I've not been a silly ad person ever, and I don't think you'll ever see a silly Green and Phillips ad. Uh, maybe after I'm dead and gone, but hopefully Jay Green and the rest of them won't do that. Uh, but you know, I think it needs to be serious, and I think uh, on both sides. Um, you know, what you're looking for, I believe, having done this for almost 26 years, is you want an insurance company that's going to be there for you, that's going to take care of things. And so just because they have some slick ad might not be the, the thing. You want to talk to someone and figure out what is their process? How do they handle things? Do they handle it quickly? Uh, do, they, do they knock things out? You know, if I make a mistake, gosh, I want somebody to go to bat for me and stand up and, and not drag things around. And so many times what we're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis, there are companies out there that drag things, or even on death cases, where clear clear liability death cases, you have companies that drag around. And so I'm not going to say their name. I don't want to do that. But, um, you know, there, there's, there are some folks out there that don't do a go good job, but, boy, there are some good ones that do a really, really good job. And so you need to determine that. And I think that's important. So deciding based on an ad that's, you know, cute or silly or whatever, you know, well, that's fun. That might not be the best thing for you. You need to make the right decision. So you probably ought to talk to somebody local, some local law firm like us, like some of the others. There's so many good lawyers in Mobile that can answer that for you, that can help you decide what's best for you. And a lot of times what we're seeing now is you'll ask people, why'd you buy that insurance? And they'll say, well, we bought it because they bundled it. What's that mean? Well, they, they do my house, they do my car, and that's great. That can be really, really good. It's got to make sure it's somebody that's going to handle claims. We always appreciate you coming aboard, sir. Tell people how they can get more information. Yeah, very simple. Greenfolks.com or stop by 51 North Florida Street, Midtown Mobile, or the Forbes Building in downtown Birmingham. Hey, man, have a great week. Thanks for everything, David. All right, guys. Take care. That's David Green, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, are you guys okay with the new college football rule, clock rule, that keeps the clock moving after first downs? Chip Kelly took a swipe. During, I think it was halftime of, of the UCLA game, he made the comment that, that I hope you guys are selling a lot of commercials. Um, Kyle Whittingham voiced his opinion um, about how there wasn't a lot of snaps. Lane Kiffin took to Twitter and basically said it's basically, he just recently took to Twitter today and was like, it's like going to buy tickets for Morgan Waller um, or, or, um, or Taylor Swift and then them not, them cutting some of the songs. It's like, so do you got do you have do you got, well first I, of I don't, all I don't particularly it was it was done in order to yeah, speed, I up, the game, speed up the game but now coaches are complaining they're not getting the snap yeah have we first of all has there been anything come out that has shown where it's really made a big difference I haven't seen any table yet of well the game you know like with baseball when they came out with uh, pace of play they've been saying well they've cut this out and it's like ten minutes shorter or half an hour shorter things like that. I haven't seen anything yet to warrant. I didn't have any problem with him watching the games. I mean, I, I was watching a number of games. I wasn't paying that much attention as to how much time, you know, was taken away uh, because they kept the clock running. So until I see that there's actually – because I, I, I will tell you this, Mark. Prior to this year, I thought college football games were way too long. Yeah. Three hours, and 30 minutes. And I thought minutes. it got long last night, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, four-hour four hour games. And, and let's go to the Colorado uh, TCU game. I, I didn't – the guy uh, Hunter said he was in over a hundred plays. Yeah. So, 
you know, I I don't I'd have to see something to come back in. And as far as uh, the NCAA showing, well, this is working, and it's maybe too early to do that. But I don't have a problem with running the clock after the uh, first downs to speed up the game a little bit. Just to, if you can get it down to three hours, because most of those games, and I can remember doing games that went three hours, thirty minutes, and close to four hours. Now the difference with Colorado is they don't even they don't go tempo. They go like warp speed, and th- they might go as fast as anybody in the country. So they're going to get their snaps. And I got I just got an eye roll from Bronner. It's true though. They 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 go this revolutionary Colorado offense. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't, don't think anybody said it was revolutionary. I just said they go really fast. <laughs> warp speed, Colorado. Do they not offense. go warp speed? Did you watch how fast they were getting to the yes, line? Yes, I watched the damn game. Anyway, ooh, touch the nerve with uh, Bronner. Have some powdered peanut butter, boy. Yeah, Sheesh. I didn't bring it with me. But uh, do you have I, a problem with the rule? I don't really like it, but. I don't know. College football games take a long time. They, I, I'm not like clamoring. Oh, we got to shorten the game. No one who's like a big college football fan cares how long the games take. Hey, let me throw this out at both of you though. Something that just came to my mind. Okay, a lot of times you see like, okay, for instance, this coming Saturday, Alabama, Texas, I think it's on ESPN, followed by Auburn, California at 9:30. How many times do we see that first game overlap? And go what uh, more than three hours and thirty minutes, and of course maybe you're clamoring for your team to come on, and a little trailer comes up. Oh, you can watch this game on ESPN Plus or something like that. So you know maybe there's that also trying to shorten these games to make sure they get to the kickoff of the game that's supposed to follow. I'd rather see really good plays than more plays. So I don't really care how long the game is from a from a length standpoint, as long as the quality of football or if I'm entertained with the 80 or 90 snaps that an offense is getting. I don't want I don't need to see 120 snaps on offense if if it's crap. Give me good give me a good 80 or 85 plays and I'll be content. I, I don't need to see more of it. I just want to see quality quality over quantity when it comes to football games. How about that, Bronner? Stick like, that in your powdered peanut I butter like, and smoke it. I like the quantity. Yeah, well, nobody's perfect. Our number one's in the books. Here comes Travis Ryer and Jerry Palm. Dean Waite and David Cutcliffe in our number three. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. We're off and running. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 7.04, welcome in hour number two here on a very busy Tuesday edition. Hope you and yours had a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. We were back yesterday, recapped a lot of that uh, of the weekend, but are certainly willing to get into it yet again today. So continue with those comments in the app at WNSP.com. And the one big story we certainly talked about was Duke's win over Clemson last night. And I do want to correct myself when I said that down the road, Duke will be hosting Notre Dame, and I, I 
kind of insinuated October. No, that's uh, September 30th that uh, they'll be hosting Notre Dame. They also will have a road game at Florida State. So some of the uh, top attractions for Riley Leonard to maybe get some interest in, in the Heisman. Let's talk some Alabama with On Threes and Bama Online, Travis Ryer. Travis, welcome to the opening kickoff this Tuesday. Good morning. How are you today? I'm great. How are you guys? Good. So uh, let's first of all get to the injury report from Nick Saban and bring us up to date on that and who, who looks like they'll be ready to go against Texas. Yeah, primarily the concern is in the secondary after the win over Middle Tennessee. You got a couple of safeties and um, Jalen Key and also Malachi Moore uh, that came out of the game injured. So Saban said yesterday that both were day-to-day important pieces to that secondary, especially with this Texas offense and its abilities there on the on the outside at the wide receiver positions and at tight end with Jatavian Sanders. So that'll be a, a storyline that certainly followed throughout the week. And, um, you know, if one or both can't go, it, it brings guys like Christian Story into the mix, certainly at safety and even at the money position in the dime. And um, Trey Amos, the transfer corner uh, that they brought in, could certainly factor into some things based on how some guys might get moved around. But Still early in the week, so we'll see how both those guys progress. What impressed you the most about Alabama's win the other day? I thought they were pretty complete, you know, on in every phase of the game. Um, had an explosive return by Kuwait McKinstry and special teams. Um, really, as much as anything, the the the, uh, the penalty numbers were great compared to a year ago. Now. It's the season opener playing at home against an inferior opponent. We'll see if they're able to carry that over against Texas this week, but certainly clean some things up. I thought, you know, defensively, the execution and some of their pressures uh, was very good. Um, and they were plus two in turnover margin. So, you know, anytime they're able to do that, along with uh, kind of take care of business at the line of scrimmage, they're going to have a good chance to win. So what concerns you the most uh, going forward into the Texas game? Yeah, I think those injuries we talked about, um, especially for this week with Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, uh, A.D. Mitchell, um, those receivers, Jordan Whittington, uh, you know, that's that's problematic potentially. Um, and then offensively, while it was a very efficient performance and there was a lot to be encouraged by in terms of how Jalen Milrow played, I think we all understand that the stakes go up this week. Uh, I thought his poise was what you wanted to see. Command was there. Um, they stayed pretty basic in terms of uh, play design and personnel groupings. I think you'll see some expansion on that this week. And just interested to see how Jalen becomes even more involved in the run game because uh, they didn't really show as much of that as I think they're going to they're gonna start to unveil as we get deeper into the season. Travis Ryer from On3, BAM Online. What has happened to Ty Simpson? And not from the standpoint that he didn't start, but the fact he wasn't even the, the first backup. Yeah, I just think that, you know, the addition of Ty, uh, Tyler Buckner from Notre Dame uh, pretty much accomplished the goal that Nick Saban was looking uh, to, to do there. And that was it in, increased the competition. It added a, a veteran presence in Tyler Buckner. I mean, this isn't a true freshman that has moved up to number two on the depth chart. He's been around in terms of big time college football. He's 
uh, been a starter at Notre Dame in the past. So uh, from that perspective, he came to Alabama with a bit of a leg up. But, yeah, I think, you know, it is a little bit surprising that uh, Ty is maybe in the position he's in. I think it's as much as anything uh, from the coaching staff, they're going to want to see how he responds to it um, because he's only a second-year player at the end of the day. Uh, there's still plenty of time for him to to make an impact at Alabama, but that being said, they also like Dylan Lonergan, uh, the true freshman. They like Eli Holstein, another true freshman. So uh, it's a very, very interesting time right now for Ty Simpson, not just because of who is ahead of him on the depth chart currently, uh, but he's he's getting kind of the squeeze from both sides. There's some some guys that are still behind him that uh, that they're excited about too. Travis Rogers, our guest here on WNSP, knowing that it was Middle Tennessee, did you did you see what you expected to see in Game One? I'd say for the most part. You know, I thought it was kind of, again, the, the game plan offensively. If you watch the A-Day scrimmage back in April, it was pretty much in line with that. Um, you know, I, I think you wanted to see Alabama up front uh, control things because they've talked so much about that being their identity. Um, I think there were glimpses of that, a couple of impressive runs by Jace McClellan and um, Justice Haynes, but uh, and, and then you know you could could also expect to have seen Middle Tennessee really commit numbers to slowing down that running game, and it took a little time, but the the deep ball and more of the intermediate passing uh, started to surface there in the second quarter and into the third quarter. So I, I think that's going to be important, including this week, because. Uh, I think Texas uh, may not have to put seven or eight guys up there. At least they don't think they're going to have to. Uh, but they're going to be hyper alert to the run game for Alabama. And you know, I think Texas kind of feels about you know going against Alabama's offense that, that Alabama might feel about Texas and that uh, Texas feels like they've got some defensive backs that can man up against these Alabama receivers and uh, take their chances on Milrow and those guys beating them in the passing game. So uh, I think that's a, a big thing that, that we're going to find out this week is against a legitimate, uh, truly legitimate opponent uh, and when forced into you know maybe doing more in the passing game, uh, is Alabama going to be able to, to do that? Let me ask you about Milrow. Did he do anything that really – not so much surprised you, but did you saw a lot more progress in what he accomplished in the first game than what you had expected? Well, first and foremost, again, I think from a intangibles perspective, he was he was in control from the outset. Um, you know, I think there were there were times there was a little bit of hesitancy. Uh, he took a sack on a third and six. Um, I think it was in the second quarter, probably where. You know, if he if he gets it to his hot guy underneath, he's got a chance there to maybe convert a third down. But I just held on to the ball a little bit. But then again, as the game again progressed and he became more comfortable, you started to see those those throws come out. The touchdown pass to Marty Nyblack um, was great to see because he anticipated it before it happened, and he kind of got the ball out um, against pressure before Amari had really made his move to the post. And so uh, it, was, it wasn't just on target, it was, it was on time. Uh, and that's what you worry about a little bit still with Jalen, maybe more so in the intermediate passing game. 
uh, in the middle of the field and getting the ball out when it needs to come out. Uh, but that got better, uh, I thought, as the, the game moved along. And, um, you know, he's got the ability, no doubt about it. He can run. He can throw. Um, it's just kind of maintaining his wits about himself and taking care of the football. And, and he checked all those boxes, I thought, against Middle Tennessee. Man, Deontay Lawson, a guy from uh, we're very familiar with down here, seems to be the next in a very uh, – impressive list of guys that play that position for Alabama. Yeah, he just seemed to be confident from the outset Saturday night. Uh, just really understands the the job and what comes with it and you know being able to make calls and checks and still play at a high level. That's so much more difficult, I think, than most people realize. And, again, he just seemed to be freed up. Uh, there were times even last year where you would see him early in games, especially where it felt like maybe he was thinking a lot and, and wasn't as freed up to just take advantage of his physical attributes. Uh, but that wasn't the case against Middle Tennessee. Uh, he was all over the place and uh, made a lot of nice plays. And uh, that was very encouraging because, again, with Texas coming up, um, you know, they're going to need him in a multitude of ways, not just in terms of between the tackles against the Texas run game, because Texas is going to try to be a great deal more balanced than what Middle Tennessee was able to, to present to Alabama last week. So it'll start there, but, man, his ability to play in space and, and coverage um, is special, and, and I think also, you know, how they're going to use him as a pass rusher. Uh, this week. It will be something to keep an eye on. Travis, what kind of a score do you see Saturday? You know, I think it'll be I think the winner will be somewhere in the mid to high 20s. Um, I think there'll be a few more points than the game a year ago in Austin. Uh, it sounds kind of crazy because Bryce Young getting around, but um, I, I think it'll, it'll be that kind of game. I think it's going to be a close game and Whoever gets to 24, 27, somewhere in that neighborhood first, I think is probably going to win the game. Hey, Travis, we always appreciate it, man. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of Alabama as they prepare for Sark and the uh, Longhorns. Just go to BamaOnline.com. We're part of the On3 Network. Look forward to catching up with you there. Hey, man, have a great week. Thank you. Thanks. want to remind you guys, uh, this Saturday you should join WNSP at the Outsider downtown mobile for the ultimate alabama watch party um beer opportunity to score a free wnsp t-shirt just for being there and you can enter uh to win an alabama football jersey a, a chance to win that courtesy of the vault so come on and cheer on your crimson tide with uh some wnsp folks you can enjoy great food drinks great atmosphere uh 22 tvs at the outsider uh beer specials food from the insider food hall uh, music during commercials, and of course, of course, the post-game party. So make sure to check out the WNSP Alabama Watch Party this Saturday at the Outsider Downtown Mobile. All right, uh, we come back. Scoreboard, traffic, weather. We'll catch up with David McCurry, LCM Motorcars, and LCMMotorcars.com. Jerry Palms coming up. Dean Waite at 8 o'clock. David Cutcliffe, the former Duke coach. We'll talk some Riley Leonard and the Blue Devils. we got a lot going on on a Tuesday edition. Stay with us right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Mark Malone, former NFL quarterback. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. 
Opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. That's right, David McCrary, LCM Motor Cars, LCMMotorCars.com, joins us here on WNSP. And David, a new football season also means new inventory on your lot. That's right, Mark. We got a 2018 Jeep Grand Cherokee overland edition which is one of the higher lines it's got the panoramic sunroof leather interior uh real nice trucks got 118,000 miles on it nada on that trucks right at 24 grand we're going to sell it for 21 oh so people need to get out there quick and take a look because this one will not be around very long no and the, the grand Cherokees, that's you know, other than the Wagoneer, that's Jeep's biggest vehicle, and it's, it's really a, a nice, clean truck. Yeah. Uh, so I tell people all the time, if if you're looking for very something very specific, there's a number of ways that they can check your inventory before they even come out. But more importantly, if you don't have what they need, uh, you can certainly get it for them. Yeah, just because you pull up the website and you don't see anything, that doesn't mean we don't have it. I mean, we've got cars in transit constantly, and if I buy three today, I mean, they may be in inventory tonight. It may be tomorrow before we put them in inventory, and there's not going to be any pictures till the vehicle gets on the ground. So um, at least give us a call to see what we've got. At, at, at the best is just to come out and see us. Let us find what you want. If we don't have it on the ground, let us find it. And we'll comes with condition report, Carfax, the whole deal. I mean, you'll know what you're getting before we even buy it. Great stuff. How, how can people uh, get in contact with you, and when's the best time to come see you? We're open 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 2 on Saturdays. You can give me a call at 251-375-0068 or go to the website. You can communicate with us through that as well. After you look at the inventory, it's 251-375-0068. The website's lcmotorcars.com. Mark, I think you know that better than I do. Uh, I'm, I'm getting there. Hey, David, thank you so much for everything. We appreciate it. We'll be in touch. Yeah, have a good week. Yep, it's uh, Dave McCrary. Go out. they got a great lot set up for you, a great setup. Uh, everything right there. You get financing, the whole deal. Uh, it, again, you heard me talk about it all the time. They don't try to sell you a car. They help you buy one. So uh, they're really into uh, repeat customer business, uh, and it's, it's a high volume of uh, traffic there because people uh, trust the folks there at LCM. So go by and see them. Uh, all right. We got some time if you want to jump in. 694-1055 is the number. We're going to talk to Jerry Palm coming up here in just a few minutes. Dean Waite and David Cutcliffe in hour number three. Yeah, and certainly want to get to uh, Jerry because he has he knows the inside on the college football playoff. By the way, they added a new member to the 13-member staff. I think it, I saw – I don't know the name, but the Utah Athletic Director becomes the 13th person. Uh, somebody left to take the uh, – uh, position out i guess it was with southern cal so they're all set to go they don't actually come out with their first poll mark i think until what late october so hopefully the well today not hopefully but the ap poll will be coming out today i'm anxious we talked about florida state how far they may move up and i wonder if duke will get in there in the top 25 and if whether colorado will even slip into the top 25 yeah i think you need to put duke into the top 25 for sure i think um do you move ahead do you move them ahead of clemson though do you knock Clemson down and put Duke over them? That's a that would be a, a quite a jump. They won't be ahead of Clemson, I don't think. Yeah, I think I think Clemson's fall will be dramatic, but not out of the top twenty-five. Because um, as much as they got beat, uh, that score. I mean, Duke tacked one on late, uh, and a lot of it was self-inflicted. So I don't I don't think they move out of the top twenty-five, but. Duke should be in. 
This uh, LSU movement. Florida State should be in the top five. Um, now, whether or not that happens, I don't know. I'm just no, saying I that's agree what with you on happen. that one. But does LSU move out of the top ten? I think they do. Um, probably. Yeah. Thirty-one unanswered points in the second half. Yeah. Just outside of it. Yeah. And where's uh where's Texas? They're we, about, they is were it right. a top ten matchup. They were, they were eleven. 10. They were eleven. Do they move uh, them up? Oh yeah, ESPN is is gonna move mountains to make that a top ten match. No, well, we're just talking about the the AP poll now, uh, not the ESPN. ESPN doesn't have their own poll, right? It's it's just the uh, AP and the coaches. Poll. Oh, but you're fooling yourself if you think they don't have influence. What do you think the uh, Lee Corso gets on the phone and says, "Hey, make sure they get into the top ten, even though they're going there to Tusk or Reese Davis." Think he gets on the phone and I says, "I don't know if it's Corso himself, Co- Lee. I'll tell you what. At you name the amount, you write me a blank check. Texas is going to be a top ten team. Oh, here we go, a little bet, little side action here. Uh, here we at go. Any amount of money, you name it, you Texas is going to be a top ten team. I didn't know week. you have so much money that you can constantly bet. I don't think I don't <laughs> think he has that much money. I think he's I so confident. I'm just supremely com- <laughs> he's I'm, so I'm, confident. This is a gamble, but it's not even a gamble. First of they all, were eleven, and LSU you'd, lost. You'd be hard pressed with me because I don't handle the checks in our house. I don't even know where they are. Oh, uh, well, he takes cash. Yeah, oh, whatever, you, whatever you want to do. Cash app, Venmo, whatever, Apple Pay. Blind check more of a term for just I'm if you were listening, confident. You I never said that they wouldn't get into the top ten. I think they will. But it's not like uh, Reese Davis gets on there and says, hey, we're going to Tuscaloosa. Let's no, get him I, I don't think the 10. on-air talent does the dirty work. I, I never think said the on-air talent. No, of course it's not. more of a behind-the-scenes sure, type the, of deal. Those, those TV the execs sh- are. It is, it, that, that is what happens. No doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. Uh, Jerry Palm is next right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. what you might see again and other things that they did periodically you know that changed so I I don't think you look back on a game from a psychological standpoint as much as you do a technical standpoint all right 732 that's the voice of Alabama coach Nick Saban thanks uh, for joining us here on a Tuesday edition it's the opening kickoff one of our favorite guests during football and basketball season is Jerry Palm CBS Sports who Basically uh, gives us the rundown on what's going on behind the scenes when it comes to the college football playoff, also to NCAA bractology and so forth, plus his own opinions. Jerry, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm all right. How are you? Good. I've, I, I've asked you this question off the air, but on the air, for those who want to watch you on TV, when are you on, CBS? Um, usually basketball season. Uh, more than football season, uh, but I'm on our streaming service, CBS Sports HQ, um, fairly often once uh, for, for both seasons, but twice already this week. Um, so it's uh, that's the easiest spot to find most of my uh, video stuff. But once basketball season rolls around, as we get closer to March Madness, I'll start appearing on um, the sports network and, and maybe even CBS. Let me ask you lots of questions that came off the weekend. Clemson, what do you think their chances are now, if any, of getting into the college football playoff Final Four? I'm not sure I liked their chances much to begin with. Uh, they just seem a bit off their 
it looked like they were going to be a bit off their usual standard. They were, I think, more so uh, last night at Duke. You don't want to overreact to one game, uh, but I think the goal for Clemson now is to try and get into a New Year's Six game. They didn't look like that team either um, against Duke. So, uh, you know, it's it, like I said, you don't want to overreact to one game, but, but Clemson's going to be in a battle. Now, they do get Florida State at home uh, in the regular season, uh, but they don't look like they're ready to play Florida State just yet. All right, so who had the worst week? We took a, a kind of an informal poll today. Was it Dabo, Brian Kelly? Uh, who's the other one we talked about? Oh, yeah, or, or Billy Napier. Uh, <laughs> um, I would say Brian Kelly. I mean, they were competitive for a half, but not at all competitive in the second half. Yeah. Um, of that game. And that, you know, that Florida State team is pretty good. And we knew they were pretty good. Uh, I mean, they're, you know, preseason top 10 team. So, you know, you expected that. Um, but LSU just got steamrolled in the second half of that game. And, um, you know, it's going to make getting to the college football playoff harder. It doesn't eliminate them because if they go 12 and 1, you know, now you're SEC champion. You probably, you know, you definitely beat Alabama. You probably beat Georgia. You know, it's, it's all still there for them. Um, but they don't look quite ready for that. Now, they could still be, you know, a college football playoff team, you know, like a second team from the SEC. Um, but now you're talking about two losses, and that's going to be kind of hard. So maybe it's, you know, it's either they win all the way out and they make the college football playoff, or they just get into one of the other New Year's Six games or, you know, things go really sideways and they don't even do that. Jerry Palm, CBS Sports. Are you buying into Colorado yet, or do you need some more games to figure this team out? Well, I think we still need to see more, but obviously that was a great uh, first game for them, uh, winning at TCU. Uh, but I think we all thought TCU was going to take a step back this year, and I think that that's also what's happened. So that's the thing is that game one doesn't give you a lot to draw a really definitive conclusion. So is what happened at TCU, you know, does it say more about Colorado or TCU or is it both? We're going to need a few more games yet before we really have that information. But that's, that's a really good start for Deion Sanders uh, and that program. And he's got some really talented guys to work with. Um, and TCU obviously, you know, has some problems that they've got to get worked out if they're going to be competitive at the top of the Big 12. Mark already asked you a question about which coach had the worst weekend. Let me ask you this. Which do you think was the most devastating loss, Baylor to Texas State or TCU to Colorado or Boston College paying over a million dollars to bring in Northern Illinois and losing at home? Um, I would say Baylor. Certainly the most surprising of those losses. Um, you know, Boston College is a – bottom of the ACC, bottom, you know, third of the ACC kind of team. So, you know, getting upset by Northern Illinois is it's an upset, you know, don't get me wrong, but it's um, not the shock of, the, of Texas State beating Baylor. That, to me, that's the, uh, that's the one loss where I just, I wonder how the heck did that happen. Let's look ahead to Alabama and Texas. Your thoughts on that, Jerry? Yeah, well, I, I thought that Alabama got off to a good start. Uh, Texas did as well. So I think we're going to get a matchup of teams that are pretty confident. Alabama's defense needs to be able to take away the running game. 
of Texas, and if they can do that, then I think they've got a pretty good chance to win. And, and obviously, Milrow, this will be a, a really good test for him now as the starting quarterback. I uh, thought he played well, but Middle Tennessee doesn't test him the way Texas will. Jerry, I wanted to ask you also about the Pac-12 and, and from a, a, a number of ways. Number one, first of all, they went 13-0 this weekend. I mean, did, does that mean anything? Thirteen and zero, whereas the SEC and uh, premier, nice or, yeah, uh, SEC only zero and three, and and games that mattered. Did uh, do you take anything away from either league with, with when you look at stats like that? No, I don't. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, I guess zero and three in the games that mattered for the SEC is pretty disappointing. You'd like to do better, obviously. Um, but uh, that's you know, Florida gave them a decent quitting of themselves up at Utah, um, but uh, at least for a while. But it's yeah, it's the Pac-12. You know, being undefeated on a non-conference weekend is probably says more about who they played than anything. But the one result that really stood out from the Pac-12 is Washington just eviscerating Boise State, a team a lot of people thought, myself included, could win the, the, the Mount West this year, and they beat them by, you know, 30-something. It, it, was, it was ugly. And, uh, and so I, that, that's one of those results where um, it's hard not to overreact to week one because it was such a dominant performance between two teams. It should have, it should have been more competitive, at least from Boise State's perspective. Okay, two, uh, two questions I have outside the playing field. The college football playoff committee just added a, uh, another member to the 13 member. Well, do you think they should or will ever put a media member on that 13 member committee rather than athletic directors and former coaches? Well, they have a former media member on the committee, and they have since the beginning. They've had a former, a retired media member on the committee. Um, I'm not sure who it is right now. I think the most recent one I remember was Paula Bovin from uh, who uh, worked at the uh, Arizona uh, Republic for a while. Um, and uh, but she's in, uh, she's teaching journalism now. But she was on the committee, and they've got somebody now. If it's not still her, uh, it's somebody else. So they've always had a media member on the committee, just not an active one. All right. And Greg Sankey has said that the college football playoff committee is going to have to meet with the demise of the Pac-12, maybe change the thinking on the 12 teams as far as who gets in and who doesn't. What, what direction do you think they need to go now? Well, I, I think it still helps that uh, I think they should still have automatic qualifiers, and I think they create problems for themselves if they don't. Um, and, but they don't need six anymore. Right. If you've only got four major conferences, you don't really need six automatic qualifiers, but they could do it with five. Um, they may rethink the idea of having um, the top four seeds be conference champions, although maybe not because the reason that was done was so that Notre Dame isn't in a situation that's not playing in a conference where they can play one fewer game than everyone else and yeah, by virtue of getting a bye. I think it was to keep Notre Dame from getting a bye. So it would even the number of games that they would have to play to win. So maybe they still won't do that. But, um, yeah, it, I think that they still need to keep the automatic qualifiers and just take one away uh, now that they only have four major conferences. Jerry, we appreciate it, man. It had been far too long. Uh, have a great week, and we look forward to doing it again soon. All right, thanks. That's Jerry Palm, ladies and gentlemen. I want to tell you about Dr. Christopher Mullenix and Dr. Aaron Wallander, uh, two outstanding oral surgeons located at 715 Downtowner Boulevard. You do not need a referral. 
back when, when my first visit to Dr. Mullenix, I was referred to by my dentist, John. He suggested I go to Chris Mullenix. It has worked out very well for me with my seven dental implants, but they specialize in all kinds of oral surgery, jaw surgery, wisdom teeth, jaw surgery, and much, much more. Back members of my family have gone there for other purposes than dental implants. They've been uh, serving the Mobile area for over 20 years, and they've just recently were named the 2023 Best Oral Surgeon in Mobile. You can visit MobileOralSurgery.com or give them a call at 471-3381. And, of course, here at WNSP, we appreciate them being our title sponsor for our game day, which this Friday takes us to Viger. Our undefeated high school game day takes us to Viger. See, i got to play this up for as long as humanly possible because you know it's not going to last. But... I'm not going to let the opportunity uh, go past without uh, without mentioning it every single time. Because we took heat. We've taken heat, unwarranted heat, about being a curse. And I believe we have been above 500 every year that people have been keeping count. Last year we were above 500, I know for sure. And we start out like gangbusters. We're 4 and a. And we had some tough ones. We didn't play non-conference cupcakes. No, we played legit neutral site, high-profile games, and we're undefeated. Who does Viger play on Friday? It's uh, a great question. I'm sure I, I have it right here somewhere. I was trying to think the same thing out, Michael. I That's like down the road. Let me, yes, let me, that's let me three live days in the, from now. Come on. I apologize, sir. No, actually, uh, to set the record straight, okay, we're at Viger High School, but that night, that Friday night, you'll be covering which game, Michael? St. Paul, Saraland. Both teams at Saraland. Yeah, both teams are undefeated right now, so that's that'll be our Greer's Market game of the week. But as far as the uh, game day, the Dr. Christopher Mullenix Mobile, Mobile Oral Citronelle. Surgery. They're playing Citronelle. Viger Citronelle. Okay, and they're looking for their third straight win to open up the season. All right, so let's do this. We uh, take a break. Uh, Michael Holland's going to join us when we come back. Dean Wade at the top of the hour. There was a play in that Duke-Clemson game that we need to talk about. Clemson was driving. They faced a fourth and ten. It was late. They needed to score. Quarterback took off, slid, slid early. Duke got called for targeting. The outcome of that play had people kind of scratching their head. We'll talk to Dean Wade about that coming up at 8. You also stay around for naming it. That's right. We have to get you qualified for a shot at Alec Naiman's catering party of up to 20 or 18, me and Lee. And former Duke coach David Cutcliffe set to join us in hour number three as well. We've got a lot going on. We're going to wrap up hour number two next right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff, and you are listening to WNSP 105.5 in Mobile. on a Tuesday that feels like a Monday. How about that? I hope you and yours had a happy Labor Day. Uh, we're back at it here. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. Well, yesterday, if you were listening, you heard uh, Derek Scott, the head coach at Foley High School. His running back, Colton Nero, was named the Brian Fank 
player of the week. Rushed for nearly 250 yards. They have a game coming up against MGM. That means Michael Holland, the marketing president with Brian Bank, will be visiting Foley. But before he does that, he visits us. Good morning, Michael. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. And again, we appreciate Brian Bank coming again with us to uh, sponsor the uh, Player of the Week. Now we get more into the banking business. And Michael asks you, who needs a budget and why are they important? Yeah, Lee, everyone needs a budget, whether you're a business or an individual. If you're trying to accomplish a financial goal, a budget will help you do that. And a budget is simply a plan or a roadmap to help you get there. And if you've never completed one, Bryant Bank has the resources to help you do that. Go to our website at bryantbank.com, click on the resources tab, which is in the upper right portion of the website. Then from there, click on the home budget calculator, and it'll take you step-by-step, step, starting with income, ending with expenses, and it'll help you formulate a budget. If you have trouble getting to our website, stop by one of our four branches in South Alabama. We're located in Daphne, Foley, Orange Beach, and Mobile. And in Mobile, we're just west of University Boulevard. So remember, a budget is simply a plan where you tell your hard-earned dollars where they're going instead of wondering where they went. You know, Michael, uh, many times coaches come on and, and thank us for the coverage we give, but I thank you for the coverage that you help us with, with high school football. You've been out there every Friday so far. Do you have a game coming up on uh, this Friday for WNSP? I haven't uh, settled that out with Pigskin Pete, but I enjoyed watching the uh, covering the Marengo-St. Luke's game. The Wildcats, uh, you may remember Jermaine Brown, who was featured at UAB last, uh, last weekend. His younger brother, Jai Brown, is a freshman running back for the Wildcats. So we've got maybe four years of hearing another Brown here in South Alabama. Appreciate it, Michael. We'll check in with you next week. Have a good one. And be listening Friday night during the Pigskin Pete postgame, the Green and Phillips uh, Injury Law Firm postgame show. They will name the Bryant Bank Player of the Week. All right, guys, you can jump in, 694-1055. Best and worst of the week, obviously, you can jump in on that. Last night, uh, Fairhope's own Riley Leonard uh, led Duke on a uh, incredible uh, journey. Clemson is now Clemsoning again, according to fans across uh, the Internet, and um, I'm here for it. I think the broadcasters did a great service to Riley. They gave him a lot of publicity. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, they showed a clip of him dunking a basketball in high school. I, I was curious, though, after the game, and, and let's face it, uh, Duke fans, just all of them, came on the field. I mean, it was un it was unreal to watch. If that was an SEC school, they'd be fined. I don't know if they do that in the ACC. But it was really something to watch. And I was curious, and I texted Riley this morning, but I'm sure I won't get an answer back for a while. Does he have do, – do, does he and the other student-athletes who play in that game, do they have to get up early and go to class after that? Or do they give them kind of a hall pass? Cause they're student-athletes, student Lee. Of course they have to go to class. They don't give them a bye for the morning at least or at least uh, give them some, you know, hey, sleep in a little bit because I'm sure they didn't get to sleep till early this morning. If I'm, the co if I'm a professor and I have an 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. the next morning, I'm, I'm just canceling class, whether, you, whether you're a football player or not. You got Clemson 
coming into your place on a nationally televised game. That see, that's my point. But then again, you look at Duke. Or I'm going Duke online. Is, Duke's about the <laughs> academics, Mark. Too remember that. Yeah, sure they are. Right. Well, we've seen things like this when uh, opposing basketball teams beat Duke. But I don't know if I've seen something like this in football with Duke where the fans bombarded the field afterwards. Because many times if opposing teams would knock off a Mike Krzyzewski team, you know, they'd obviously flood the court, something like that. But I don't know the last time this has ever happened with Duke where they uh, their fans just uh, – and, and as you pointed out, they knew they had the game won with minutes to go. So it wasn't like a last-second victory. They were ready. They bro, were pumped. Bro, it was crazy watching these kids jump over the wall. And, like, they're having – security's not trying to keep them from jumping over the wall. They're literally trying to keep them from coming out onto the field. Like, Luganville was getting ready to get swallowed whole. Oh, he really was. And he had difficulty, I think, finding Elko. But then again, during the interview, it was going in and out. Yeah. And the cameras – the cameras stayed on Riley Leonard. I was. Did he ever get interviewed? I, I don't even know if they found no, him. They. Uh. But he was taking selfies with uh with fans and he was getting high fives and the whole deal. Like it was. It was a pretty cool moment for him. And someone said he has wheels. Yes, he has wheels. Um. But we knew this. Like we, we knew. knew this. We knew that. We had, his freshman year. Uh, I was watching a game. He came in as a backup. David Cutcliffe was his coach. And he came in as a backup and went like 60 yards for a touchdown. So we knew he could run. Yeah. No, he uh, he played well. He, I mean, no touchdowns, granted. Uh, they didn't throw the ball w great. But uh, he he moved the ball. They moved the ball up and down the field. As, uh, they took advantage of some. They, they made a bunch of mistakes and errors. I didn't think they were going to overcome in the first half. I'll be honest. When they went into halftime, I, I thought they were playing well, but not well enough to win. And then Clemson really kind of asserted their dominance there early in the second half. They were running the ball, and then they just imploded with some really bad mistakes. Um, you mentioned earlier, too, about the, the, the type of athlete now at Duke. They, they didn't take much of a backseat to Clemson as far as getting athletes who had speed and so forth. And then I kept hearing the name Blades out there. It was a transfer from Miami, and I was thinking, gosh, I've heard that name at Miami for years. And, yes, he's uh, – I. I He's he's a the family has been very involved in football. I was it Benny Blades or whatever, but I and I heard that yeah. name and I'm thinking, wow, they've really stepped up their recruiting. Now, look, I'll tell you that who was going to wind up being the goat. And I don't mean the greatest of all time, but the goat if Duke lost was going to be Trey Freeman, the linebacker. He was the one that tried to scoop the first Clemson score and missed it. And there was a dog pile, and thankfully for Duke, someone else jumped on it. Now, granted, if he would have picked it up, he would have been gone. It would have been a 95-yard fumble recovery. And then he was also the one that let an interception go right through his hands late in the game. Uh, that would have sealed the deal. So that dude would have certainly been uh, public enemy number one at Duke had they lost. But uh, they made the most of the opportunities. Clemson completely ex imploded. But Duke got their hands on an extra point and a field goal. That was the first time that kid had kicked in college. Mark, that, and, that Clemson and, and kid. Ask, the kid's going to need psychological help. Yeah, I mean, how many have you ever seen a kicker get two kicks blocked in the red zone? Now, yeah, I see it out the the 40s, the 50, you know, something like that, where you have to step back and you have to get it high up in the air because you know you, you want that, you need that drive 
off the uh, tee to get a, a long kick. But from inside the 20, that's like extra point territory. Yeah. To get two kicks blocked like that, you knew things weren't going well when you can't convert on field goals like that. In the app, the fumble punt at the beginning I thought was the end of Duke. Yeah, I thought so too. I In games of that magnitude, you can't make those type of mistakes. But Duke's defense, it was the only points – you know, the Duke defense allowed. So at that point, I mean, you wouldn't have thought it at that point. But, you know, they were making the comments during the game about how many different defensive linemen they were kind of rolling into that game. There were seven or eight they constantly brought. And they were bringing pressure. And Clemson didn't throw the ball very well, quite frankly. Um, I thought they missed on some throws. I thought receivers, I didn't think they had great separation. I, th I thought Duke defensively played really well. And there's inopportune. I mean, there's never a great time to fumble the ball, but... Man, you can't you can't be in the red zone three times and come away with nothing. I don't care if you're Clemson, Colorado, Alabama, or South Alabama. You just you can't expect to win games like that. Uh, but it was a it was a it was a great moment for Riley Leonard. Um, and Clem anytime you can mention Clemsoning, it's a it's a good week in college football. So yeah, and Dabo Bronner, to your point, Dabo looked absolutely miserable. Dabo looked like someone should have just. Someone should have just stabbed him and gotten it, gotten it over with because he looked absolutely distraught. He had no answers. Just give it like four more games. Clemson might do it themselves. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, – I, I stayed with the whole game. I, I stayed with the game from start to finish. So that, that brings me to my other point. Do you guys find that the rules uh, – the new clock rule is an issue? Uh, Lane Kiffin's the latest to spout off. Uh, Chip Kelly made a comment at halftime of his game about how I hope y'all are getting all the commercials in uh, because it limits the number of offensive snaps. I don't have a problem with it, to be honest with you. I don't you. know why the coaches would complain about that because that was always a, a major issue. Too many plays out there to, you know, that when they try to cut down on the overtime and, and do things differently so the kids aren't out there. I, I'm surprised to hear coaches complaining about well, that. Well, I think with, with Chip's point was I think they only had four offensive possessions in the first half, and my reply to that is, you know, play defense. Make the other team give up the ball. Oregon had enough plays yeah, to I score mean, it's, 80 it's, points. Yeah. I mean, I get it from an offensive standpoint. You're frustrated, but the same for both teams though if you're running the clock all they're doing is running the clock after first downs except in the final two minutes of the first half and at the end of the game such a silly rule the whole two minutes when did that become like the the drop dead like deadline in basketball and football everything changes in the last two minutes Ooh, last two minutes dean waits next i got questions for dean you might, too. If you do, put them in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. It's 8.05, hour number three on a Tuesday. Thanks for hanging with us. we got a big hour lined up for you here on 
the opening kickoff. We appreciate you being part of our morning. We've got a new show on Fridays from noon to one, our uh, Friday football preview at Dean Waite Associates. And hopefully uh, Dean will be joining us on that show. Roger Schultz is my co-host. But why wait? Dean's going to also join us on the morning show, usually on Mondays. But uh, we're going to start him today with uh, you make the call. And Dean Waite's former SEC official. Good morning, Dean. How you doing? Good morning, guys. How are y'all? We're doing wonderful. Well, we got a lot of questions Good. to throw your way, and we'll start out with this. Did you notice much of a difference in any games that you watched with the new time clock? In other words, trying to speed up the game. Yeah, it really didn't seem like it sped it up too much to me. I mean, I, there, I, you know, in terms of overall game time, okay, it just I didn't notice a huge difference. Um, what you do notice is. You know, it seems there are definitely less possessions, uh, you know, going on. I mean, it seems like the the first quarter, second quarter of these games are kind of flying by a little bit. But I think they've – I really honestly think they've thrown more TV ads in, so I don't know that you're going to see any difference in the overall game time at the end of the day. Does that – do the officials, do you think – I mean, when you were – you know, it goes back a few years when you were officiating. Do you think that comes as a relief to them too? Because a lot of these games were going three hours, 30 minutes, and then some. They're trying to get it down to what about – I assume – I don't know if they have a, a bucket list of times they want, but somewhere around three hours to try to keep the games from going too long and having so many plays. I mean, it's yeah, it's nicer and it's less wear and tear on your body, and especially early in the season when it's so hot. But these games aren't – I mean, I didn't see – did y'all see any games that lasted only three hours? It sure didn't seem like it to me, but maybe they did. But it, I didn't really notice much difference. All right, Dean. So I got one that I'm chomping at the bit. I saw it last night. I said, yep, Dean's on tomorrow. Perfect opportunity. I don't know how much of the Duke-Clemson game you saw, but Clemson, yeah. fourth and ten – Quarterback gets out of the pocket. He's running for the first down. He slides. Bang, bang, play. Duke player hits him. I'm thinking, man, they just got an automatic first down for targeting. The ruling on the field was he slid prior to the first down marker. He did not make the first down. Because he slid and gave himself up, the play is now dead. The hit happened after that. So not only did Clemson – Clemson – Lost possession of the ball. Duke right. was penalized 15 yards, but they got the ball. Had a lot of people scratching right. their head. What was your take on that call? The right call, or should have, should Clemson have gotten a first down because of the targeting? Yeah, it's kind of squirrely, but, I mean, so the, the rule does say once the quarterback goes into that sliding motion, the play is dead, okay? I mean, yeah. it's just dead at that point. And so the contact... I mean, if you're looking, if you're going technically by the rules, the contact did not happen until after that play was dead. If he's short of the line to gain on fourth down, you got a turnover and downs, and now you just have to enforce the the, the dead ball penalty. Uh, you know, against the team that now has the ball, it's weird. I mean, it's super weird. Um, but I think technically it was correct. Uh, you know, it's just a, if, if that quarterback had not slid and and was just running and that you know then it's a whole different scenario but right. once he starts that slide it's a dead ball yeah and it was just uh, so, so unusual it, it just it just happened to be on fourth down yeah. short of the line the game so all this stuff came together and just to, to form this weird outcome but i think it was correct yeah i it's it's just so yeah. rare to see a targeting call and the team that right. got hit with the targeting call winds up getting the ball right 
I know. And, I, you know, it's weird on the targeting. I mean, now you feel bad for the defensive player a little bit. I don't think he was intending to, no, not to, at all. to hit that quarterback in the head. I mean, but the guy, he starts, you know, the defender starts kind of going in for the tackle, then the quarterback sliding, and they just end up meeting. You know, I, I would have been honestly okay if they had not upheld the targeting there. But, you know, it's a, it, it, that's, a tough, that's a tough play all the way around. Former SEC official Dean Waite. In the LSU-Florida State game on Sunday night, Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, found a little bit of an opening, and he kind of leaped into the into the into uh, that hole that was open, but then the linebacker from Florida State just leveled him. And it, right. lo- and it looked like, again, I, I, I can't say whether it was or not, but it looked like the target. And the announcers then said, well, he's no longer a quarterback, he's a running back. That doesn't make a Correct. difference, does it? Well, he, he he's not a defenseless player at that point when he when he's a running back, um, and so then you've got to have. Now you're testing me here on the on all the elements. You've got to have a you've got to have certain elements to meet the targeting. I didn't. You have to refresh my memory, Lee. I did. It was in helmet to helmet contact. I thought it was more kind of. In the chest, like he, his helmet was sort of in his chest. I think you're right. Area. I think you're right because I couldn't tell. I mean, in the, you know, there's so many bodies yeah. in there. But I, when they, I was just curious when they said just because he's a quarterback now he becomes a running back. But that the running backs can get targeted too, well, right? Right? Or no? So you can't. I mean, you can't. You can't lead. I mean, you can't lead with the crown of your helmet and, and nail somebody. But uh, regardless, but there's less protection for a running back. Who, you know, he's not a defenseless player any longer. So, and I, I, I mean, I would have to. I'm, I'm going to be dead honest with you. I'd have to go back and review all of the elements of that. Um, but but there are less protections because he's a runner. He's not a defenseless player like he would be if he were standing back in the pocket, you know, and had just finished throwing the ball and that kind of thing. All right, so let me ask you another one, Dean. Dean Wade, our guest here on WNSP, something along uh, those lines. So in the Friday game between Louisville and Georgia Tech, um, uh, Georgia Tech quarterback Haynes King took a hit and uh, it was called targeting. He was running, but the difference here was when he went to slide, it didn't really feel, it didn't really look like a slide. It's almost like he tried to fall down at the last minute. And, of course, those guys are coming. Right. It's another bang-bang play. And the ACC officials got ripped not only for tar- for the targeting call, but it got upheld on review. But if you go back and look at it, it's almost like he's trying to fall on a seat. You know what I mean? Like he's right. there's no slide there. He's falling straight down and not sliding. Is there any type of rule for officials to follow as far as the guidance is what constitutes a slide and what doesn't? I mean, it's really a pretty subjective thing. Um, you know, but that quarterback in a sliding posture is going to be given all the protection in the world. So, um, you know, I guess they just they just lie in live action they thought it looked like a slide, but yeah. there's there's not there's not a definition, and you know there's not in the rule book you say if you have A, B, C, and D, it's a slide. I mean, it, it's a super subjective uh, thing for on the official's part. Yeah, because if you slide, I mean, if you do the, the your traditional feet first, you're sliding. Right. But if you're if you right. dive head first, it's still I guess by definition a slide. But you're you're it, it's open game, right? Yeah. 
that's a that, that to me is different. I mean, if you're head first, you're trying to you're trying to continue to gain yardage. You're 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 participating in a in a real football move there in my mind. If you're going feet first, you're giving your you're completely giving yourself up. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I did not see that play. I, I would love to have taken a look at it, but I didn't see that play. But it, it's 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 just up to the, the the officials on the field as to whether they think it's a slide and he's giving himself up or not. Okay, uh, Dean Wade, former SEC official. How much time is spent by officials prior to a game? Let's say you were on a crew for the Alabama-Texas game. When do you guys get together, and how much time do you spend getting ready for that game, and what do you do? Right. So when I was in the SEC, and I'm, I'm assuming it's still probably the same way, we would we had to be in the city uh, at, at by 5 p.m. on Friday, okay? And then we would uh, we would get together, go to dinner, and then we would meet for about two hours after dinner, watching the game film from our previous week's game, and and critiquing. Our, hey, we handled this correctly. We didn't handle this correctly. Let's do this differently. Those kind of things. And then the next day, depending on the time of the game, you you're going to have at least a two-hour pregame at the hotel, uh, and then you you're at the game site two hours ahead of time. Uh, and there's more prep that goes on there. I mean, you know, guys are sitting around talking about different plays and, 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 and you know, hey, what might happen? Let, let's think about some things that might occur in this game. It was always amazing to me the things that we would talk about. I mean, random things that we would talk about in our pregame meeting that would actually happen in that game. It, it, was, uh, it was uncanny. But there's a, there's a lot of preparation that goes into getting ready to, to go out on that field. Hey, before we let you go, I want to ask you another quick one. Uh, with the to to Lee's point about the the change in the clock rules and and tempo right. always being an issue with all sorts of teams trying to trying to keep tempo going. We've talked about this in the past, but it's been a couple years. What's the official stance on how fast they have to move in between plays? Are they are they speeding up to? To uh, to accommodate the offense, or do they stay at a, at a relatively consistent pace throughout the game? Yeah, yeah. You're sp- I mean, they're supposed to stay at a consistent pace throughout the game, but there's not. You know, they're not going to run around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to get the ball put down and all that because somebody wants to run a play every ten seconds. So, but but they're also not going to deliberately be slow. They're just supposed to be a consistent. You know, if if it's a hurry up team. You know, if you just you know you just need to be consistent with your pace and do it in a way that's not going to necessarily interfere with them doing that, but but you're not going to try to give them an advantage either. So, um, you know, it's it's getting tougher and tougher. I mean, these guys are wanting to go faster yeah. and faster. Tennessee runs for play what about every 11 seconds? Yep. And and so it puts a lot of pressure on the officials, but you know they just try to maintain a consistent pace on both sides. Obviously, yeah. substitutions. Uh, affect all that and everything, but but it's it's supposed to be consistent. It's a good thing you don't do it anymore, Dean. You'd be on that treadmill every day trying to keep up. <laughs> well, I was on the treadmill this morning. I'm trying. I'm getting old, man. Yeah, join the club. <laughs> join the club. It's a it's not exclusive. <laughs> hey, we appreciate the time as always, dude. We look forward to doing it again next week. All right, guys. That's uh, all right, guys. Appreciate it. That's Bye-bye. Dean. Wait, wait for the call. Um, we we look forward to having him on. Um weekly here on the opening kickoff all right when we come back you have an opportunity to get qualified for the alec name and catering party of up to 20 or 18 me and lee i'll have to start working on that whole 17 and me lee and brawner we will we will play an audio clip of something person place thing whatever 
correctly be, be the first one to correctly identify what that clip is and you will be uh the, the next to qualify for the big party we'll get 10 folks qualified and then he will pick a number alec Naiman, and you could uh be the big winner so stay with us there's plenty left it's the opening kickoff david cutcliffe at 8 30. hi i'm Vern lundquist from cbs sports you're listening to wnst mobile alabama It's 824, and you now have a chance to be qualified for the Alec Naiman Catering Party of up to 20 or me or 18, me and Lee. It's another edition of Naming That Clip. That's right. All we do is play some random sound. If you can identify the sound on that clip, be the first one to get Bronner on the phone at 694-1055, and you will be put on the list. Mr. Bronner, if you will, please, sir. All right. Good enough. If you can identify what that is, call us right now at 694-1055. You, you have any idea, Lee? Was that Bronner's stomach uh, coming in without <laughs> eating? <laughs> get that kid some antacids. <laughs> what is going on here? Too much powder. Peanut butter powder. Too much peanut butter powder. All right. Maybe these are too easy. Let's see. All right. Let's take our first caller. Go ahead, caller. What do we got? Go ahead, Scott. Uh, I got boiling water. Boom, just like that. All right, you guys, are we're, we're making it way too easy. Congratulations, Scott. Stay on the line. Uh, we'll have to come up yep. with something a little bit more challenging. You guys have hit the first two right out the park. This thing about this, as you know, I'm not a peanut butter fan at all, but this thing about the powder, let's say you get stopped. Maybe police stop you on the road, you're going too fast, illegal signal, this or that, or you're texting and you're not supposed to. And they see this powder, which arguably peanut butter powder. Could you see these guys reaching over just just to sample and wondering if maybe this is some kind of drug? You know, like in the when the movie yeah. they take the cocaine yeah, right. and rub exactly. it on their teeth. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was watching a movie the other day and I saw that. I think would they do this with? Hmm, smells like peanut butter, but maybe we should send it to the lab. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I'll have to get it, uh, if we have time at the end of our show there, you were asking about Riley Leonard and whether or not he got a, um, excused absence. There is now video I just saw on Instagram where he is talking to the ESPN camera, asking his professor for an extension on his paper. (laughs) So let's see if we can, I'll see if I can get that to, uh, Bronner, see if we could play that. Uh, at some point during the course, if you do a, I was talking about Riley uh, on Instagram. There is ESPN. I, if you go to ESPN's Instagram page, there's Riley asking in the camera for his professor to give an extension on his paper. So, oh yeah, I, I saw that last. So time. maybe maybe we can play that uh, here if we have a minute or uh, leading into David or, or yeah whatever. Uh, we'll see if we can get that done. I got it right here. If you want to, yeah, it. let's hear it. Let's hear Riley. Professor Taylor, if you're seeing this, please let me turn in my homework late because it's due tonight. I think it's 12, so it may already be 12. Yeah. Well, it's not a, not fair real enough. long-winded, but no, fair enough. Question is, will the professor okay it? Here's the thing, though. If you're if to be fair, 
if you're going to give him an extension because they won, don't you also have to penalize them when they lose? Well, okay, they don't have any other Monday night games. Now, I don't know if they have a Thursday night game. I'm assuming they don't. So this is a rare circumstance where you supposedly have class the next day. Uh, no, you, I don't think you uh, – it the... shouldn't matter on win and lose. The fact that you have a game on a Monday night and class is early Tuesday. It's a paper, though. It's not like he's had to study well, for a test. That paper was not – was not assigned know, yesterday. We don't know all the details. Maybe we don't know when it was assigned. It was assigned long before. All right, that's it. Breaking news. Riley Leonard is a procrastinator. And nobody cares as long as they keep beating Clemson. That'll be the first question I have for him when we get him back on. Did you get the extension? And how long had that assignment been scheduled for? We ask the hard-hitting questions here at WNSP. His former coach, David Cutcliffe, set to join us next right here on the sports station, WNSP. Many for uh, Duke with the big win over Clemson last night. Welcome back into the opening kickoff. Mark, Lee, and Bronner with you right here on the sports station WNSP. Our uh, guest this morning and a very special guest. He works for the SEC office, but he's also been a longtime coach. He coached the Mannings. Coach Riley Leonard brought Leonard to Duke for a couple of years when David Cudcliffe was the coach. David, good morning. How are you today? Well, I am good. I was listening to that call Um you know, that you played right there, and I was watching the game, of course, last night. You know, there were a lot of things impressive about that play, but the most impressive part of the play, and it's why he is elite in so many ways, is when Riley came off that field, um, he didn't get carried away with himself or the moment. Uh, he realized there's more, more, more work to do. And, and I was sitting there looking at that, thinking about that, and that's just how he's gone about his his entire time of just being a, an elite athlete, whether it was on the basketball court or on the football field. And, you know, I, I heard you're also the little spot you had on high school football. And he came out of um, as, as good a league and as good a state to play sports in as you can and coming out of the state of Alabama. So, Riley, congratulations to you and congratulations, of course, to your mom and dad. I know how proud they had to have been. Well, congratulations to you for recruiting him to Duke also. David, before we get into more of the hard-hitting questions, uh, I'm just kind of curious. As I watched him getting swarmed yesterday by the, the fans and everything, and I know it's rare to play like a, a Monday night game, but do, do the student athletes and Leonard in particular, do you get a hall pass and you don't have to go to class early the next day after a game like that? No, not there. Um, there's there's a lot of professors there that wouldn't even have watched the game. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, uh, you get up and go to go to class. Uh, you better. And it, it is a place, and that's really the – it's why I stayed there 14 years is that the, the ideal 
with college athletics is education still and uh, because that stays with you all your life. And so those expectations are, are going to be there, which is a good thing. Let it's me hard. Ask. And hard is a great word. I, I tell young people this, and I'll tell older people this. My mother told me this when I was 15. She said, if somebody gets ready to tell you something's going to be hard, you better start celebrating because you're getting ready to get better. And, uh, boy, isn't that the truth? Let me ask you this. I don't know if you – the comparison. You had Daniel Jones, who's now quarterback in the Giants. Is there any a much of a comparison between Riley Leonard and Daniel Jones? Sure. I mean, they both were, first of all, under-recruited, and it was crazy that that was the case. I mean, when I looked at both of them, immediately I knew that I wanted to offer them both scholarships and felt like they would be elite quarterbacks and then in Daniel's freshman year uh, I told our staff he'll be our next first rounder he's got all of the things it takes they're both elite athletes with speed they both have incredible touch on the ball it's a lot of people don't talk about fingers they say he's got good hands I've never seen anybody do anything with their hands without using their fingers both of them have incredible touch and feel with their fingers and so the ball comes out clean. And, um, you know, so I, I, after Riley's freshman year, that I, I told our staff the same thing. I said, there's our next first rounder. And, and I believe he will be that. Good Lord willing, he stays healthy um, and keeps his head on straight. Um, that, that could occur for him. Coach David Cutcliffe, our guest here for just another couple minutes here on WNSP. Uh, what we've always, I've always made the point, Coach, that you won't find as good of a football and basketball player as he is, and he's and he's phenomenal. He's even a better person. We've gotten to know him over the years uh, through his high school career. There, there's just not a better kid that you'll have an opportunity to talk to, coach, or watch play the game. No question. He's got a great mom and dad. It starts at home. Um, and he's been held accountable at home, and he holds himself accountable. He is a great teammate. He takes great joy in what his teammates accomplish. Uh, that's kind of what I was mentioning after that that yeah. run was an amazing play by, by Riley, but it just he doesn't shine the light on himself. And I think that's the first thing that gets forgotten a little bit in college football today is that your number one goal has to be that you, you want to try to be the best teammate on the team. And years later, people aren't going to remember that run. But when they see Riley, they're going to come up to him and say, man, you were the best teammate I ever had. And nothing can be said better to an athlete than that, and that defines who, in my opinion, Riley Leonard is. You got it spot on. He is that great of a young person. Did you have much of a, to recruit him? Did you have other schools giving him offers and scholarships, or was it pretty much Duke and nobody else? Well, I think it pretty much was us as it ended up. Um, you know, he didn't have a long high school career quarterback. He had played receiver, uh, but you know, we like I said, when I saw him, I knew uh, I have a checklist that I don't share on um, quarterbacks, and I've been fortunate through the years, and, and it's a checklist in recruiting them. Uh, he hit every every box, uh, which is rare, 
and I've had others, obviously, that hit every box. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't be happier for, for Riley and his teammates. And that was a good veteran football team on that field, and, and I don't think they're done yet. So we'll see what happens. Uh, before we let you go, I have to ask, because it was mentioned a couple times during the broadcast, love to get your perspective about uh, the gap but, uh, in talent is is minimal, if at all, according to those guys that were calling the game. How different is it? Was there a gap between Duke and the Clemsons of the world, and has that gap uh, uh, diminished over the seasons? Well, I think that's what we went in there to do. There was a... Uh pretty significant gap when we went in there. Um, there had been 10 wins in the previous eight seasons. Uh, so I'll tell you the gap, and winning has become a way you do things. And those guys uh, paid a price. That A lot of those guys, the vast majority were kids we recruited, like Riley, in the pandemic, and they didn't really get to lift, and they didn't get – I mean, it was – the protocol was tough, and it goes back to things that are hard. Those kids have been through a lot, um, and they're hungry, and they've taken advantage. But these are good athletes. I mean, we we had a system in place, and we had um, the ability to go out and try to recruit a lot of outstanding athletes. I was proud of the secondary, the linebackers, a couple of young guys that, that we had recruited, the defensive front. Uh, offensive front, the, I, I thought they matched up across the board, and I knew they were good players. And some of them, you know, we get all caught up in stars and uh, get caught up in other other people's opinions of whether somebody's good or not. And, and often, yes, they are right when they say a guy's a four- or five-star. But go look at the NFL draft sometime. Uh, you, you, you got to you got to find there's a lot of talents and what you do is you look for elite uh, things in an individual um, as a physical specimen but you better look for elite characteristics and you mentioned it already already and a lot of his teammates have the same thing you need elite characteristics in your character and and the emotional ability to to be a teammate and that's the one thing I miss about coaching are the relationships you build and the recruiting parts of it because you're you're taking young people that have dreams out of their homes for the first time in their lives and you're trying to guide them on the 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 path to being successful both on and off the field so it's a it's a neat thing to sit back now on the job i've got and watch it all but you can't help but to miss those relationships really proud of those guys David, I, I really appreciate you coming on. I don't want to keep you too much longer because you told me there's a certain time limit. Do you still have a minute or two? Or do you I've got a staff meeting coming up with the commissioner, so we spent a lot of time in here yesterday reviewing and officiating and different things, so it's kind of nonstop right now. All right. Go ahead. One more. Question. All right, one more. Do, do you think Duke has enough to contend for an ACC title this year? Yeah, I do. I think I know the personnel, obviously, very well. Um, you know, we won the Coastal Division in 2013, and a lot of the – you have to be able to compete in the lines of scrimmage um, when you get into the SEC or the, the better teams in the ACC. 
and, and our 13 team had some draft choices in the offensive line and defensive line. Well, I think the same can be said. I'm not belittling Riley and his skilled teammates, but the same thing can be said um, about offense and defensive linemen there right now. Graham Barton, Jacob Monk, maybe Maurice McIntyre in the offensive line, Dwayne Carter, Nice Peebles, uh, you know, the other guys in the defensive line, if they can stay healthy, uh, are guys uh, that, that can make a difference. So that's where the test of time stands, is staying healthy and being deep enough in the lines of scrimmage. And that's what people don't really focus. Everybody watches football, watches the ball. As a coach, what I watch is the line of scrimmage. So, um, yeah, I thought they had a really good night last night in that regard. Uh, Clemson ran the ball better than they wanted them to in the second half, so they'll have to look at that. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, wish them the best moving forward. Hey, Coach, great stuff. We always appreciate you coming aboard, man. Thanks for spending some time with us. Have a great weekend. We hope to catch up with you again soon. All right. Take care. That's uh, David Cutcliffe, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the former Duke quarterback. Uh, he knows a little something about Riley Leonard. Or do do coach? Did I say quarterback? He did. Maybe he played quarterback too. You might remember he also coached T. Martin, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Eli Manning, Daniel Jones. Yeah, he's had a few. Uh, again, I think the most impressive part of last night was uh, Kuyper's projections of of him being the third best available quarterback in his class and the twentieth best prospect in the draft. I thought that was just that's crazy to me, um, in a good way. Like I'm, I'm stoked for him. I know we spent a lot of time on Riley Leonard today, but I mean, it was an unbelievable game, and uh, kudos to him. And that run was fantastic. Was unbelievable. I mean, after Caleb Williams and Drake May, I mean, it really it thins out after that. It's Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Riley Leonard. There's no reason why he can't be the third quarterback off the board. Yeah, from a draft standpoint, I, th I yeah, I thought you were going, I thought you were going Heisman there, but no, no, no. I mean. Talk to me in a month, and we'll right. revisit it. But right. yeah, no, I'm with you that the brakes need to be pumped there. It's always a obviously it's a storyline award, so you know yeah. you get a couple more big wins. Who knows? But yeah, like you said, he didn't throw any touchdowns last night. But uh, you know he had the signature play, I guess yeah. you can say. So he did have a Heisman moment. There. Sure, sure. And now we, it's in week one. Now what Duke really needs is for Clemson to get some wins now, because if 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 yeah. Clemson falls off the cliff. Then that that play is not as impressive, Duke you know, in six just, weeks. Duke needs to just keep beating teams that uh, that they should beat and uh, and see what happens. But yeah, draft wise, I, I won't be surprised if if he's the third guy off the board at all. All right, well he'll look good in black and gold. Just saying. Well, <laughs> I, that that would certainly mean things didn't go well this season with Derek Carr. No, no, it? get him in a couple years, you know, under the system. He's a, he's a patient guy. Uh, that Riley Leonard. Well, David Cutcliffe did. You heard him say it. He he's first round material. Yep. All right. One final segment of the day. Uh, we'll close up shop. Give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show as well. And you guys can jump in. Six nine four one zero five five is the number. Get us in the app at wnsp.com. It's the opening kickoff right here on the Sports Station. WNSP and wnsp.com. Charlie Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. And then you have to eat your lunch all by yourself.
right, one final segment of the day. I want to thank you guys for hanging with us today. It's been a fun show, as always. A reminder, if you missed any of our interviews, including David Cutcliffe, you can find us wherever you fa- find your favorite uh, podcast. Go to WNSP now right there on Spotify. Listen to us to your heart's content. You know, I was. we haven't really spent much time on the FIBA basketball, but I was looking at the score at the halftime. You know, where the U.S. was beating Italy, I think it was something like 46-22 or whatever it is. Anthony Edwards, who's been their leading scorer, hadn't even scored a point yet. But uh, just updating, they're in the quarterfinals now. Lithuania got beat by Serbia. And, of course, if the U.S. beats Italy, which they should now with that big lead, then they'll move on to the semis. Mark? All right, I want to remind you before we get out of here, this Saturday, come hang with WNSP for the uh, Alabama Watch Party at the Outsider in downtown Mobile uh, as the Tide takes on the Texas Longhorns. Just showing up, and you'll have an opportunity to grab a free WNSP T-shirt. They're pretty sweet, actually. Uh, I would highly recommend you coming out for that alone. But there's more. You can enter to win an Alabama football jersey, courtesy of the Vault. And, of course, cheer on your team with a whole bunch of folks uh, with the same interest. The Outsider, Downtown Mobile, 22 TVs, beer specials, food from the Insider Food Hall, um, music during commercials, and, of course, a post-game party. All that and more. Come hang with WNSP. It's the ultimate Alabama watch party this Saturday at the Outsider, Downtown Mobile. Uh, All right, you guys can jump in. What What do we got cooking for tomorrow? A lot of openings tomorrow. There's a lot of, let's say, Texas out there, Mark. We do have Chris Stewart, who, by the way, will be doing the play-by-play on 92.1 this coming Saturday. As you know, Eli Gold does the home games. Chris, no, wait a minute. This will be Eli. Right, it's a home game. So, uh, Eli, and he joins <laughs> us Thursday. There we go. I'm catching up. But Chris will be on. He's on the uh, broadcast anyway. So, he'll be on tomorrow to give his take because he did the uh, Alabama-Texas game a year ago. So, we'll get his take on that. Uh, our good friend, uh, during usually during draft time, uh, Jeff Bauer is going to join us to give us kind of an, uh, a look at Texas because he's based down in Dallas and so forth. So we'll get kind of more of a perspective on uh, the Texas Longhorns from uh, Jeff Bauer. And Kenny King, who was supposed to be on today, will join us tomorrow. He got a, a terrific award last uh, Saturday uh, during the Alabama game, and he'll talk about that. Uh Bronner, you're a big Alabama guy. You you a little nervous? Or you feel pretty confident at this point. Oh, I'm definitely nervous, but I don't know. I, there, there's there's been this shift in mindset over the last year. I think like five or six Alabama games last year. Obviously, they lost two of them. We're really close, and uh, I think that's going to be the case again this year. It certainly makes games a lot more fun. Yeah, the days of joyless murder ball where they kind of just run through the regular season, uh, you know, and destroy everyone for the most part, like the 2018 season, for example. They ended up getting smoked by Clemson in the national championship. Those days are kind of gone, but it does make it more fun almost to be a fan. It's like the, uh, the upside of not being this ridiculously dominant program at this point, I guess. It, you know, it, it, I'm very excited about this Texas game. I don't expect a beatdown. I expect a close game, which is going to be the case for a lot of games this year. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I do think Alabama is going to win by 10. Wow. All right. What's the spread now? It's, uh, it's like seven. Seven. Uh what do you think? You gonna you gonna you gonna go with the uh, acronym Lank? We haven't really talked about Alabama's new uh, new acronym Acro- acronym Lank. You gonna put that on a T-shirt or something? 
I must, let a, I must have missed this. Let a end. naysayer know. It's their new thing. It's kind of their motto. Blank. Let a naysayer know. So let a Mark Kime know. Let a Nick Wiggins know. Let them know. I'm going to let y'all know. All right. We get t-shirts. We get hats. I don't know, man. Things are shaping. Obviously, Georgia's going to be Georgia, but Clemson stinks. Ohio State's quarterback stinks. Michigan, eh. Things are shaping up for... Uh, well, hold on now. Michigan didn't have their head coach. Oh, LSU <laughs> stinks. Uh, but things are kind of shaping up for an LS, for, so, uh, for an Alabama-Georgia national So you're saying college football is pretty smelly these days? Is that what smelly. you're saying? Smelly, 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 smelly. Yeah. Alabama-Georgia national championship again. And, uh, and they're going to beat, what, Ohio State-Michigan? Or cares? Duke. Who cares? Most, Duke. Yeah, maybe most Duke. Talking heads will say, Duke look, in Colorado, <laughs> Michael, most talking heads will, will pretty much say, and, and as Jerry Palm also mentioned, you know, you it's it's you, you don't just go by one game, but you you take the opposite view. So the one game defines a season. Yes. Well, only if that season's b uh, only one been only one game. Lee, uh, Lee, in all seriousness, more so for Clemson than LSU. Like LSU can get things back on track. Uh, in all seriousness, like well, there's, there's every chance they but can. But their be schedule's fine. a little more difficult than Clemson's. Oh, it's a conference loss versus a non-conference loss. So, like in the grand scheme, the Clemson loss matters more to Clemson than it does to LSU. Uh, but I also think Clemson just looked very bad and showed no signs of improvement from last year where they struggle on offense and i think the same issues are going to persist they're going to have a good defense they'll have one of the best defenses in the country uh because they recruit defense very well but Dabo, you know has been resistant to the transfer portal resistant to nil it's caught up to him and the game's about to pass him by brian kelly on the other hand i believe that team is talented enough they can turn things around are they going to win the sec west no uh but you know they, they, they can turn things. Hey, Alabama could lose to Texas this week, and Alabama's sitting in the exact same spot as LSU. So, who knows? But but will you come on that that Monday and say that Alabama Clemson stinks? Alabama stinks. If Alabama loses by 30 at home to Texas, yeah, I might say Alabama stinks. All right. Fair enough. You guys are here as our, as our witnesses. They're not going to lose by 30. Hmm. Ooh, that'd be a tough day. I'd rather I here's an interesting question you always wonder as a fan would you rather lose like a like a heartbreaker like take the Tennessee game at the end or just like get beaten down by 30 points where it's just four hours of drawn out pain like Dabo 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 looked like he was in pain um part of me would rather just get blown out because because if you lose in a heartbreaker I think you're spending most of your time trying to figure out Man, what could I have done different? Because mm. clearly it was it it hinged on just a play here or a play there. The flip side of that argument, though, is and you when you lose in heartbreakers, at least you know you belong. Like you're part of that group. There's something to be said for knowing that you were good enough to win it, even if you didn't win it. As opposed to a beat, getting a beatdown's brutal. It is, and it, and it shows you have no business being on that field. Yeah. I mean, look at Butch, uh, Butch Jones. Butch Jones needed to be consoled by one of his own players there. He was just torn up about it. And I don't know why. I mean, you you didn't think you were going to go into that game and win or even be competitive. Yeah. I don't think you thought they were going to hang 70 on you either. But you know, That's the part that, that hurts. I mean, the fact that you get blown out. He's already basically not done much at Arkansas State since he's been there. And, and Arkansas State over the years has done well. Harson, Malzahn, 
there was another coach. Blake there. Anderson. Yeah, Blake Anderson. So it's not like it's a school that gets beat up all the time. They've had success. He has not had success, and there's the so-called proverbial hot seat. So I, I could see where you open up the season. That's very demoralizing. I think he would have preferred a much closer game. I subscribe to Alabama as I'd rather have a close loss than a blowout. I think it looks better in the eyes of down the road if it comes to pass with the college football playoff committee. Well, they only got beat on a last-second field when goal or something like that. When was the last time Alabama just got beat down? Probably Clemson, the national championship in 2018. Yeah. You'd say, 44-16. Yeah. And that was horrible. I mean, it was it – was, it was drawn out. It was horrible. You would have, you would have rather lost on a last-second field goal? Or, Probably. Or, or hypothetically on a pick play? Probably. Yeah, which one take, hurt more? Take it, take it easy over there. Which, which one hurt more, Peanut Butter Boy? <laughs> well, Clemson game was they uh, the beatdown was my freshman year. But anyway, uh, one of like five times I'm gonna change this prediction. Alabama's gonna win by three touchdowns. Oh wow, someone's feeling confident now that yeah. the music's playing and doesn't have to answer for himself. We'll talk about it tomorrow, but Ooh, Nick Saban doesn't lose at home. All right. That does it for another edition of the opening kickoff for Michael Bronner and Lee Stravanian. I'm Mark Heim. That does it. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya!